He is the Almighty One. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's our advocate. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is authority. He is the bread of life, the beloved Son of God, the bridegroom, the chief cornerstone. He is our deliverer. He is faithful and true. He is the good shepherd. He is the great high priest. He is the head of the church, the holy servant. He is I am. He is Emmanuel, an indescribable gift. He is judge. He is king of all kings. He is the lamb of God, the light of the world, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is Lord of all. He is our mediator. He is Messiah. He is the mighty one. He is the one who sets us free. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is prophet. He is redeemer. He is the risen Lord. He is our rock. He is the sacrifice for our sins. He is Savior. He is Son of Man. He is Son of the Most High. He is Supreme Creator over all. He is the resurrection and the light. He is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the Word of God. He is the true vine. He is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Church, He is Victory. Come on, amen. And he is the God who came into this earth, into this world, on a rescue mission. And he came to save you and I. And on that rescue mission to save you and I, we refused him. We killed him. We buried him. But church death could not stop him. The grave could not hold him. And today he is risen. Our God is alive. He is alive today, church. Come on, amen. Come on, what's his name? Come on, what's his name? Amen. Praise God. And that is who we celebrate. Church, happy Easter as we celebrate the resurrected king of all kings, the God who came to save us. And in doing that, Jesus Christ, he defeated death. Death could not hold him. The grave could not stop him. And he came in through defeating death. He forgives us of our sins. And church, he proves that he is God. There's nobody like Jesus. There is nobody like Jesus. Nobody like Jesus. Come on, who's excited to celebrate Jesus? Praise God. We celebrate. You know, I think about it. You know, Jesus Christ is the most famous person to have ever lived. I mean, there is nobody that comes close. There, there are more songs that have been sung to Jesus than anybody else. There are more lives that have been dedicated to following him, to serving him, than anyone else. More books have been written that are about him, regarding him, than anybody else, than anybody who has lived in the history of the world. There is nobody, listen church, there is nobody. Come on, say that, Nobody. There is nobody like Jesus. Listen, church, there is no one that is equal to Jesus. There is no one that walks alongside of Jesus in a place of equality as to who he is. He is God. He is almighty. He is worthy of our praise. Look, even time is measured by Jesus. I mean, time, it's divided by that. I mean, we have B.C., before Christ. And then we have A.D., Anno Domini, the year of the Lord. Even Jesus said time is divided. The two biggest holidays that we celebrate are that are celebrated. The two biggest holidays, what do we celebrate? We celebrate his birth at Christmas, and we celebrate his resurrection here at Easter. There is no one like him. And what an incredible day this is. I don't think that it really, I think in our humanness, we have a hard time really understanding how incredible this day is. Can you imagine, even for a moment, what it was like in the grave when Jesus, when that body that was dead came back to life? Can we even imagine what it was like when he came forth from the tomb, that a dead body came to life? We have a hard time even fathoming the incredible day in which we celebrate. And it's being celebrated all over the world. I, I went to bed last night as I, as I laid down. I, I realized, you know, Brother Thomas over in Nigeria, he's celebrating Easter already. 
And all through the night and all through the day, people are celebrating the resurrected Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords. He is alive. He is here today. And he wants to reveal himself to you. Praise God for that. But church, isn't that what we do, are supposed to do every Sunday? I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to do on every day? But specifically when we come together, isn't that what we're supposed to do every day when we come together and we celebrate Jesus? Every time we come on on Sunday and we come and have church, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Every time we receive his word, every time God speaks to you through through the pulpit or through each other, through the love that he has for you, isn't that what we're doing every time we pray to him, every time we share communion together? Isn't that what we're doing? is that we are proclaiming that we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ has died for us. We believe that Jesus Christ went into that tomb for us. And we believe today that Jesus Christ came out of that tomb and he came out alive from that tomb. And church, we also believe that Jesus Christ is coming again. And we celebrate that today. We celebrate all of that every day. Listen, our Savior is a risen Savior. He is not dead. It's the only empty grave that there is. I mean, even Lazarus ended up in a grave, but Jesus did not. His grave is empty, and our God is a risen Savior, a living God, and we look forward to the day when one day we shall stand before Him. And if He shall tarry, we will stand before Him in that glorious heavenly home that He has gone forth to create for you and for me. For those who have again he's gone to prepare a place for us he's gone to prepare a place for those that have received him those who have loved him those who have believed on him those who have received the gift that he's given and those who have in that love decided to serve him and to obey him we praise God for that I love the words that Paul spoke when he wrote in 2 Timothy. Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verses 7 through 8. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved, or those who have longed for, one version says, his appearing. Church, do you long for his appearing? Oh, I mean, come on, not just a a blanket amen. Do you long for his appearing? Or does it bring a little bit of dread to your heart? For those who are apart from him, it should bring some dread. You know, as much as I, I have come to understand that love, and, and as Pastor Trevor said, don't know why he did that or how, but he does. And coming to understand that love that he has for me, it helps me to understand the love that I have for this life and for the life that he's given and the life that he's blessed me with. And even though I love this life, I look forward to the day when I shall see him. The day when I'll be joined together with him. I'll be with him forever and ever. To be with those people of God that have gone before me, those Christians, those, those that are, listen, I, to go and, and to one day, you know, be able to see my parents. I had the absolute privilege of leading my dad to Jesus Christ in the last couple weeks of his life. Because of Jesus, I get to see him again one day. My nephew who showed up at my door one night crying because he was so lost and so gone and just out of it. And he needed a savior to bring a a forgiveness of sin. And my my nephew came in and, and he received Jesus Christ that night. A little while later, he he certainly passed away, but I know I'll see him again because of Jesus Christ. Not how good or bad he was, but because of how good Jesus is. 
That one day I'll be able to see those Christians that went before me, that helped me in so many different ways, helped me to walk out my salvation, helped me to come to know Jesus personally, intimately, that helped me to come to Christ, to see them all again. You know, I, I don't fear death. In fact, death, that part of it, I look at with a sense of anticipation. Amen. Don't get me wrong. I'm not looking forward to the dying part. You know, I mean, let's face it. That's not the part that any of us are looking forward to. The closing of our eyes isn't the part we love. It's the opening of our eyes that we all love. Amen? And as much as I would like to think it, I, you know what, one of these days, and the older I get, the more I realize it, one of these days, I'm going to die. <laughs> that is not a place to amen. <laughs> so be it, Lord. <laughs> hey, you know what? Okay, I, I wrote this down. One of these days, I'm going to die. At least my body will. And so will yours. <laughs> and church, this is my point. That is inevitable. You can't stop it. I can't stop it. Let me just say the wonderful thing is that when that moment, when that day comes, I am ready. I, I am ready for that and ready. And it's not because of me or because of what I do or because of anything other than because of the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of my life. And he has promised that he will not leave me or forsake me. He has promised me that he will walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death. And that he has promised that he will be my strength. He will come and provide in every way. And I trust him for that. And because of that, I am ready. Are you ready? God's no respecter of persons. In the same way that I've had to wrestle with some of these questions, you do too. And this is the time, this is the place to be able to think about that. Because church, you know, as I was thinking about some of this and preparing the sermon, I started to think about, you know, back over some of the things, as I said, with my, my dad and, and my mom and my family and, and things growing up. And, you know, one of the things that I miss about not being on Facebook the only thing I miss about not being on Facebook is the memories. You know, I mean, the memories that pop up and, and they make me think of so many things. And I, I look back over those memories and I think, you know, I, I look at my kids and I think, oh, my kids, look at how little they were. What happened to them? <laughs> Remember back when they were little and they were nice. And... <laughs> Yeah, they're not here. They were in first service, so I can say, I can say whatever I want. But remember back when they, you know, they didn't have an attitude. And then I thought about that, and I thought, wow, you know what? If I'd have had my way and stopped time then, I wouldn't be able to experience all of the blessings and all of the wonderful things that I watch happening in their lives today. I wouldn't be able to see the, the wonderful, I wouldn't be able to experience the attitudes, which is part of life. I look at my little grandkids and I, I look at them and I, I, I look at these little pictures and I think, you know, it would have been so, I wish I could have stopped time. Because it would have been so nice to be able to have just kept them little like that, you know? Put them in a shoebox and just keep them there. And, and to keep them in that place. But I look at that and I think, you know, if I'd have done that, then I wouldn't be able to experience them here today. And when I look at them today and I look at the pictures that I have of them today, they're still, they're as cute as can be and I want them to stay that way. Because I love the relationship that I have with them this way. I love today with them. And, and, and church, I, I think about all of that and I, I think, man, it would be so nice. I'm sure you have too thought about that. You know, if I could just stop time. If you could have just stopped time, you would have ruined the future. And church, we can't stop time. We can't do that. Time marches on. And, and, and this is my point. We can't stop the inevitable. We can't stop it. 
the chief priests and the Pharisees, they all found that out. After they had crucified Jesus, they put him to, to death. In Matthew chapter 27, this is what it says about that. In verses 63 through 66, it says, Sir, we remember how the imposter said while he was still alive. Now, now again, uh, there's a lot of people who try to figure out different ways of explaining away the empty grave. One of them is that, well, Jesus never was really dead, that, you know, he just was cruelly beaten and crucified and hung on a cross and stabbed into the compartment in his heart. But you know what? He, he lived through that and in the next couple of days walked out of the, unwrapped himself and walked out of the tomb. It, you got more faith than I do if you can believe that. But second, in all that, even, even these, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Romans, and the, even they knew he was dead. He just said it right here. While he was still alive, which means now he's not. That after three days, I will rise, he said. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people, he has risen from the dead, and then the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now, I, I, I don't, you know, again, this part of the story I find a little humorous. And I have a feeling that God might also find this part of the story a little humorous. I mean, can't you just see all of heaven that's looking down, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God who created it all. He, he's in, the, in the, the, the grave, and, and they're watching all of this transpire, and they're watching the priests and the Pharisees starting to, you know, command and give orders. They're watching the soldiers huff and puff as they, they push this giant stone over the door of this tomb. They're watching as they seal it with the seal of the Roman Empire. And they're watching as these guards stand guard over this tomb with their swords and spears. Now again, can you imagine the God who created the sun and flung it into space? The God who took all of the stars and placed them in the galaxies and ordered each and every one of them and put them in place and knows them by name. The God who created all of that. Can you imagine him being stopped by a single stone? Can you imagine the God? Think about the God, the God who created the power inside of an atom. being stopped by a couple of guards with a sword and spears. I think God probably found that a little humorous. In Matthew 28, in verses 2 through 4, he says this, And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled because, and became like dead men. I mean, that's just incredible to me. Put yourself in that place for just a moment and what you're watching and what you're seeing as this whole thing goes on. I mean, I don't know if they heard a voice, but just to know that God spoke enough and, and all of a sudden the earth starts to shake and the angel comes down, the stone is rolled away, the grave is emptied and the guards are there left trembling. What a sight this all must have been. You know, the stone was rolled away. They, the angel came down and rolled the stone away, not so Jesus could get out. The only reason he rolled the stone away is so that those who were coming could see that he was no longer there. Amen. He's gone. He wasn't even there at that point. He was no longer there. You know what the chief priests and the Pharisees thought? They thought they could stop the inevitable. And silly, silly, they thought they could seal up Jesus. And I thought about that. And I wonder how many of us try to seal up Jesus in our life. How many of us are comfortable letting Jesus come in as long as he just comes and stays in this little cave in our life? 
long as we can roll a stone over that cave and make sure that Jesus doesn't come and start interrupting some of the other areas and some of the other things in our life. I wonder how many of us would say, okay, God, you know what? You're welcome to come. You're welcome to stay, but please don't interfere. Jesus, I love the idea of you living in my life, but just don't come and start messing things up. I got a pretty good thing going on right now. I really like the way things are. So just come and take up this little place here and don't, just don't mess with things. Don't come and change me. Don't come and change the way I think or change the way I act. Don't come change the way I talk. Just stay in this little cave. And if you'll stay in this little cave, everything will be okay. But we can't stop the inevitable. And the stone will be rolled away. And Jesus will come out. He will come into your life, the living God. And when he does, you have a couple of choices. Either one, you're going to say, I told you not to come out. I told you not to do this. I'm not ready for you to be in all of my life. So I reject you. Or we embrace what he's doing in our life we embrace the love that he brings the love he has we embrace what god has provided for us in our life but church him staying in the little cave not going to happen not going to happen he's going to come and he's going to he is going to come and he's going to i mean begin to alter things and mess with things in your life for the better we just don't always see that way. But what we do have to remember, what we better remember and never forget, is that this life is simply a, a preparation for eternity. This, this life that we have here, it, I mean, it, it determines the eternity that either you and I will spend with the saved or we will spend with the unsaved forever and ever and ever. And that's what this world is. That's what this world does. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened. And it reveals a number of things to us. So there's a number of things that happened through that. There's a number of things that we could go through to prove all of that. The prophecies and all of those things that go on and that had gone on through Scripture that prove that Jesus Christ truly is who He says He is, not who we say, not who religion says. I mean, there's all sorts of different uh, takes on who Jesus is. He, Jesus Christ is who the Bible says, and He proves it through the written Word of God and the fulfillment of prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. But there are also some things that we can look at just realistically in our life today to realize the power of the resurrected Christ. What does the resurrection bring to our life? What can we see through the resurrected Christ? And the resurrection, the one thing that we can see and have a hard time to deny is that the resurrection, it declares to you and I the power of God. Because church, there is no power on this earth that can raise a man from the dead. There is no power on this earth after three days that can raise a man that has been confirmed dead that can raise him back to life. There is no power that can do that. There is no power on this earth that can forgive sin. There is no power on this earth that can change a rebellious heart. There is no power on this earth that can transform somebody from hellbound to heavenbound. There is no power, and the resurrection proves to us the power of God. The message of the resurrection, listen, on this Sunday that we celebrate today is a message that the soldiers, the stone, the seal, all of the earthly things, all of the worldly things cannot stop the plan of God because it cannot stop the power of God. Amen. None of that. And we believe that today. Listen, church, God marches on. Time doesn't stop, and neither does God. And you will never, I can never, nothing that we can do in this world will stop the plan of God because we cannot stop the power of God. And we believe that today because the tomb is empty and Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. We believe that. Well, how do you know you weren't there? Trevor thinks I was. <laughs> but I wasn't there. I didn't see it happen. But I believe 
that I believe, that I believe with all my heart, without a single shred of doubt, that it's true. Well, how? Listen, I wasn't there when the Germans surrendered in World War II. I wasn't there. (laughs) I will be here next time he preaches. (laughs) I wasn't there, but I believe that I believe that I believe with all of my heart that they did surrender and that we won the war. Amen? I mean, I have two very good reasons why I believe this. One of the reasons that I believe this is through the years, I have heard testimony after testimony after testimony. I've heard story after story after story about different things that happened in the war. My dad was in World War II, and my dad would tell me stories about what was going on and what it was like in wartime on a submarine and what happened. What did they do with prisoners and all of that? I, heard, I know the stories that my dad told me about the, when, when the Germans surrendered and what it was like in the troops and what they felt, what they experienced when that all happened. I've read the testimonies. I've read the stories through time. And so have you. They fought the battles. They saw the victories that were won. They told us the good news. And you know what? I believe them. I believe those I would. I believe every story my dad told me about that. With all my heart. But also I believe it because we all have to realize had we not won that war, how different our world would be today. If the Germans had won that war, this would be a different world that we live in. We would not be a free country. We would be a people that are under oppression. Our society would be completely different. Everything around us would be completely different. Our world would be completely different had the Germans won that war. Well, church, I wasn't there when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But I believe it with all my heart, and I have two good reasons why. One, I believe it because the resurrection had eyewitness after eyewitness after eyewitness that told us that it's true. We have the whole gospel of Luke and the book of Acts where Luke goes and he he interviews eyewitnesses to the accounts that happened and he gives us an eyewitness report of what it was that they saw. There is nothing in court more powerful than eyewitness testimony. And this is eyewitness testimony that Jesus Christ truly was resurrected from the grave. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says this, he says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as scripture says. So here Paul, he's taking the very basis of the, and basics of, of prophecy and sharing with us how these prophecies were fulfilled. And, and here he said, just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. And then he was seen by Peter, And then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, uh, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. These are hundreds and hundreds of eyewitness testimonies to the fact of what they saw, that the grave was emptied. I also believe it because of what John said, the last living apostle who said this in 1 John chapter 1. He said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. You know what John was saying? John was saying that these things here, I want to tell you about the things I saw. I want to tell you about what I felt. I want to tell you about what I heard. And I want to tell you about the experience that I had with the resurrected Christ. Church, listen, some people in our world today, some people may choose to die for the truth. But nobody chooses to die for what they know is a lie. And every one of these men were persecuted and put to death 
And to save themselves, all they had to do was say, it's a lie. Yet none of them could because they knew the resurrected Christ and they knew him in their heart. So I believe this story because reliable people, eyewitnesses who saw, they told us what happened. And I believe that. But church, I, again, maybe more important than that, I believe it because this world would be a greatly different place if Jesus was not alive. In fact, our world was transformed when Jesus came out of the grave. Our world is different now. Our world has changed, and I believe that the world has changed. I believe it's a different place because we can see that Jesus is alive. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, he wrote, if Christ has not been raised, in, in other words, if Christ is not alive, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So you realize that if Jesus is not alive, there is absolutely no reason for us to be coming together and gathering and celebrating today. There, there is no reason. Listen, if Jesus was not alive, we would not have thousands and thousands of Christian churches. We would not have all the Christian agencies. We would not have all the missionaries that are all around the world doing the work of Christ as God has called them. There would be no need for any of those if Jesus was not alive. There, uh, there's, as I was doing that, I found this cartoon. Michael, put this cartoon up, would you please? There's uh, the two soldiers that are standing there, and they're looking at the grave, and the stones rolled away, and you know, one of them's got a little worried look because he failed at his job. And the other one says, hey, don't worry about it. In a few years, it will all be forgotten. Well, guess what? A few years have gone by. And nobody's forgotten. Right. 2,000 plus years later, God's people still remember. And let me also say, if God should tarry, God forbid, but if God should tarry another 2,000 years, God's people will still be gathering to celebrate the resurrected Christ. They will still be celebrating and they will still be remembering because Jesus Christ is alive. And church, you don't forget something like that. You don't forget the one who came and gave us the ability to see our sins forgiven, who conquered death, who conquered hell, who conquered the grave, the victory that was won. You don't forget that. Our world is a different place today because Jesus is alive. Amen? But I also, through the resurrection, one of the things that we see is that Jesus changed the way we look at some things through the resurrection. A lot of things changed, but he also then, he, he, it changed the way we look at life and death. The way we look at different things like that. I mean, you know, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but God has a different way of looking at death than we do. God uses different words to look at death than what we do. We, somebody dies and we say, well, they've, you know, they've passed away or they're gone or they're dead. But there's that place where there's this like finality in that. But God doesn't use the same words that we do. God doesn't use the same descriptions that we do. When Jesus talks about death, you know, he, he alludes to a wedding. He talks about a wedding. Just in, in this place in, of, of us coming to the bride, coming to the groom. The bride coming to the groom. You know, in, in a wedding... I'll be careful about how I say this service. <laughs> but I've done hundreds and hundreds of weddings over the years. And I have watched brides step into the aisle and to walk down towards their husband. And I, I have this vantage point that's beautiful. And, and in all those weddings, I have never seen a bride that wasn't absolutely beautiful. I'll say this very carefully. Some may not have been pretty, but they were beautiful. Every single one of them. And this is not about looks. This is about this glow that a bride has. 
There's just something that a bride has when she steps into the aisle. It doesn't really matter what she looks like. She is absolutely beautiful because of this glow that comes as anticipation for that day that she's longed for all of her life, that day when she's gonna be joined together with this man that she loves and wants to spend the rest of her forever with, this man that she's gonna see at the end of the aisle, and this is her heart, this is her dream, this is what she's always longed for, and she's seeing all of these things in one place, And it just reflects in beauty that a bride has. Hey, all brides may not be pretty, but they are all beautiful. Well, Jesus tells us that the church is like a bride. And we are a bride waiting for the coming of our bridegroom. And in that glorious moment, we get to be with him. We get to see him coming. We get to understand. We get to know. We get to realize the union that comes, that place of being with him forever and ever and ever. To be absent from this world is to be present with him. It's to be with the one that is our groom. That's how he uses illustrations to show us. He says death can be like a banquet. A banquet. I mean, God has invited us to a banquet to come. He's invited us to be a part of that. A place where, you know, even in the presence of our enemies, God sets a banqueting table for us. Imagine the banquet that will be waiting for us in heaven one day. A party like no other. A place where we will be included. A place where we will know our place in that banquet. The place where we will see God's provision. Where we will know his joy. We will know the pleasure it is to be with him because of the fellowship that we have in the special place that he has prepared for us death is like that because of what jesus did death is also jesus says like going home you know i there's something there's something really special about going home i um i love when i'm out or about and you know even, even from the house, I mean, now that my office is in the house, if I have a long day and meetings and all sorts of things going on and I, I get done for the day and I walk out my office doors and I close my office doors, I'm home. If I'm out and about or if I've been gone or doing something and, and I go to get in my truck and this is the, there's no more stop, this is it. Man, I'm going home. And there's just something about that because the anticipation of going home, because home is a place, when I walk through the doors of my home, it is a place of peace for me. It is a place where I am absolutely, fully, completely accepted. It is a place where I feel love. It's a place where warmth is there. It's, listen, home I may not feel this anywhere else, but home is a place where I always feel like I belong. And that's what God calls the experience of death. Death is also like a graduation. I was thinking about this. I, I, I think I've shared this at other times. I, I was talking with Pastor Trevor before service. I found out that it was actually in his group that this happened in like 2005, uh, graduation in Arizona, I was a youth pastor, and this year we had a whole bunch of seniors. And there was a bunch of, you know, Trevor being one of them, and uh, Mike, I think, was one of them, and, and there was a whole bunch of them. And so at graduation in Arizona, they do it early, they do it in May, because it's always outside. It has to be because there's no place inside to have it. And so at the graduation ceremony, you're sitting in the sun out there. In May, it's already over 100 degrees. It's kind of miserable, you're up there, but you know what, all these guys are graduating, so you gotta go. And so we're there, and we're at the graduation, and watching them go, and, you know, they call their name, and they walk up there, and, and, and you know, some of them are, I think, even surprised that they're calling their name. Amen? <laughs> and, and, and so they're, they they're call off the names, and they go up there, and you watch them, and they hand them this graduation booklet, and the principal shakes their hand, and, and I found out later what, what he says is, congratulations, you did it. And I think for some, he probably said, now get out of here. (laughs) 
And so after the ceremony's over and all these guys are graduating, they're all down, we, everybody goes down onto the football field, which is where they have it all set up. And we're all there on the field and, and, and one of them is like, I did it. I can't believe I made it. And he's like really excited about it, super excited. The fact that I, he graduated and, uh, and I look at, let me see your booklet and open up his booklet and there's this piece of paper. This piece of paper that represents so much. That piece of paper that represents the fact that they did all the work that was required. That piece of paper that represented all the tests that were taken. All of the things that were memorized. All the the studies that went into it. Four years of studying and studying and doing all the things that they would need to do to see all represented in that one little piece of paper. So excited, I did it. And so there was a bunch of them around, and, and there was another young man that was there, and I grabbed his this thing and I wanted to see his, and I opened it up, and his booklet, his graduation booklet, was empty. So well, what happened? What, where's yours at? He said, Oh, I uh, I didn't get all my work done, I didn't get all the tests done. So they let me walk today and they let me, you know, receive the booklet, but I don't get my graduation for a couple of weeks. They've given me a couple of weeks to get my tests done and get the last things turned in. So I didn't really get to graduate. And I thought, this is kind of, you know, crazy. Both of these students went to the same school. They both had many of the same classes. They were both in our youth group. They, they both took a lot of the same tests. They, they both went through so many things, to spending time together, going on trips together, doing things together. And, and, but one graduates and one doesn't. They both had the same garb on. They both had the same purple graduation gown. They had their hats on. They turned the tassels. All of them had the same stuff going on. It looked exactly the same. But one graduated and one didn't. One of them had a form of graduation. The other one had the power of graduation. See, one had a form of graduation, but no power inside. Well, the other one did. That little piece of paper. Church, as I was preparing my message today, I so wanted to talk about the, just all the glory of what this day represents. To paint this beautiful picture of the resurrection and, and Jesus and this empty tomb. And, and, I, and I wanted to, you know, even kind of try to paint flowers onto the tombstone and, you know, and, and make it as beautiful as I could make it. To make it all about this resurrection of the glorified Christ, the living God. I wanted it to be all about that. And, and church, all of that's true. It is. But I don't want to be misleading. I, don't, I want to be careful that on this Easter Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that I would not paint a picture of false hope either. Because the message of his resurrection is a wonderful message. It is the most wonderful news there is in the world. And because that news is so wonderful, I don't want, which I might do and have a tendency I could do, to cause you to think that everything's all right. When it's not. Not for everyone. See, the Bible says in Matthew 7, that there are many who will stand before the throne of God one day. Many who will stand before Jesus and say, Lord, I, I went to church. I did all this. I was there on Easter. And Jesus says, away from me, you wicked servant. I don't even know who you are. I want that to be a hard testimony from anybody that ever comes to our church. And church, that means there are some in this place that could receive false hope from this message today. You see, there are some people who graduate and some people who don't. There are some people who, who, who have has peace in their home 
And there are some people who don't. There are some people whose marriages succeed and some people whose marriages don't. There are some people who enjoy a time of banqueting and there are some who will not. And in the same way, church, the cross, the cross is a blessing to those who come to accept the sacrifice that was made there. And then to others, it's a curse. It's a curse to those who turn away, who never receive the gift. It's a stumbling block to those who refuse what Jesus has done. And and I've said this before. For those who are saved, whatever trial and turmoil and tribulation you experience here on this earth while you're in this life, and yes, you will have them, you will have trouble, and whatever you experience in that negative place, in that negative way in this world, is as much hell as you will ever experience. Because for the saved, this world is as close to hell as you'll ever come. For the unsaved, whatever good you might experience, whatever moments of happiness, whatever moments that are fleeting that come and go, whatever good you may have in different moments in this life, I want you to know for the unsaved, that's as close to heaven as you'll ever be. Because for the unsaved, this earth is as close to heaven as you'll ever get. Church, the empty tomb is the greatest source of life, the greatest source of joy for those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But it is a stumbling block. It is a place of judgment. It is a place of condemnation for those who do not. Worship team, would you come on back up? You see, church, All of that being said, you, I, no matter what we want to think, you can't stop God. We can't change God. And nor can we alter God. We can't can't do that. Listen, I don't care how many stones you roll in front of the tomb. I don't care how airtight you seal it up. I don't care what kind of modern day weapons you use to try to destroy him to try to seal him up and to try to come against him. You can't stop what God is going to do in our world today because God will conquer. God is victorious. Church, you can't, listen, in all of this, whether you like these things or not, you can't stop the plan that God has for eternal life. You can only receive it or reject it. And that's your choice. But it's inevitable. It's inevitable. God will be, the reason that God will be victorious is because, as I said at the very beginning, it's because God is victory. It's not what he does, it's who he is. He is victory. And every time he turns, wherever he goes and whatever he does, it's victorious. And church, either you will be on his winning side or you won't. And, and I, I'm not going to back away from this message because it's Easter. Because I believe that this is the Easter message. Which side of the tomb are you on? The, the message, God, listen church, this world is, is not the final destination. God is preparing something much better for us. God has something so much better planned. God has created something for you and for me, and he's made something so much better. And the reason that we can access that better is because the new life that was birthed out of the tomb, the new life that came forth out of death, the new life that came forth for you and for me, the grave has been emptied, death has been defeated, and Jesus Christ has made the forgiveness of sins, the redemption of our soul, and our eternal life with Him possible. And it's all through the empty tomb. But just as God, listen, just as God has prepared a a little tiny fetus in the womb of his mom, that little tiny fetus was never made to live and dwell in that womb. They 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 were made to grow in the tomb 
so they could be birthed into a new world. And in that time in the womb, God prepared flesh and, and bones and muscles and skin. God gave those little babies eyes so that they could one day see, ears so that they could one day hear, a mouth so that they could one day speak. All of these things that he's preparing for when? For when they were birthed into this brand new world. Let me tell you, in the same way, church, he has prepared a new world for you and for me. He has prepared a world for us, a better world, a great world. But let me say that it is a world that we will never see apart from Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He's the only door. He's the only truth. No man comes to the Father except by Him. Apart from Jesus Christ, we'll never see that home. And church, that's inevitable. It's inevitable. That's why Jesus said this. He didn't say you had to join a church. He didn't say to be a member here or a member there. He, he didn't say do this or do that. You know what Jesus told us to do? Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born through the empty tomb into the world that God has created. So my question for you, are you born again? Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you and I thank you, God. By your spirit, you are moving in each and every one. That God, I pray that you would take what might be a, a form of religion or a form of religiosity, but Lord, that's empty inside. I pray that today, Lord God, you would fill each and every one of those folders with a graduation certificate. Let the power of the Holy Spirit be poured into all of those who have not experienced, have not been filled, and not, Lord God, received the redemption of our souls. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would minister to our hearts today, that you would draw those who are apart from you, Lord, not because of trying to put notches on a, a, a gun case, but God, so that you could love on them. Not so that we can count more numbers, but so that, Lord, your kingdom might be full. Do what only you can, God. The church, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, we, we offer you this invitation. I recognize the fact that there are some of you here who have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I am not beyond begging. I am not beyond pleading. I am not beyond praying. Oh God, have your way in their hearts. Don't let this moment slip by. Don't let this moment pass without you responding to him. Without you doing what you are called to do by receiving and saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Don't let it pass because, church, you are not promised another opportunity like this. You may never be this close to a decision, a choice to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And just as you're not promised another moment, listen, you're not even promised tomorrow. If you're without Jesus, come to him today. Come to him today and call upon his name. Commit yourself to saying, yes, Lord, I will follow you. To being led by Him, being baptized in water. To acknowledge the choice that you're making today. To accept the gift of the Holy Spirit. To let God fill that empty graduation folder. Look, today, God is offering you new life. Will you... Let him fill you with resurrection power. God is inviting you today. His hand is outstretched. And he's asking, will you come? And the truth is this. Heaven and hell 
hangs in the balance of what decision you make today. Because again, you're not promised another time to make this. I want to ask you if that's you today. Will you respond to him? By lifting up your hand and saying, Pastor, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Is there anybody in this place today that needs to say yes, Lord? See your hand. Come on, I know there are others in here. Praise God. I just want to give you a moment. We have to respond to him. He says, if you're embarrassed of me before man, I will be embarrassed of you before Father who is in heaven. Oh God, have your way. Lord, you know the hearts of each and every one. You know, Lord God, the reflection of the heart of each and every hand that went up, that you, Lord God, are able to move into that place and minister in that area that they desperately need you. I pray today, Lord God, for those that come today to you to say, Lord, I I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I need you, Lord God, by grace to come into my heart. I long for you today, Lord. I don't want to be settling for the God in the grave when there's a resurrected Christ who wants to come into my life and give me life more abundantly with the hope of eternal life with Him. I would love to pray for those who need prayer. We would love to pray for those who would like prayer today. The altar is open. But let's do this. Let's stand together and let's sing through this song before we go. It it is Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Day. Jesus is here. He's amongst us and we worship Him today as the resurrected God. He is King of all kings, church. He is Lord of all lords. He is salvation. And in no other name is salvation found. Look, the altar is open. It's here for you. Come on, if you need prayer today, step out. Come to the altar while we pray, while we sing.
So great. 